I always say that uh, marketing and, and growing your business is just a series of experiments. And the more experiments you run, uh, the more you find where that next golden nugget is going to be. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we are dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I'm your host, Annette Grant. And we believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you are struggling to scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. And let's get on with the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. I am your host, Chase Clymer. And today, we have a very special guest who's going to help answer a question that I bet a lot of developers and probably agencies get. But it's a question that comes from you, the store owner. So it's, it's going to be a good conversation that we have today. So I have the pleasure of welcoming Joe from Speed Booster to the show. Joe is the founder of Speed Booster. They're a Shopify optimization and development agency. Uh, but the way we met is uh, from a really funny story. So like I said, the question that we always get when we are kind of signing off on projects is uh, about 2 weeks after the project, you'll get an email from your client. And it says, something, something, my Google page speed number. How often have you got that, Joe? Uh, often enough to where... <laughs> yeah. Uh, we wrote a bunch of content around it and FAQs. And uh, it's just kind of an ongoing internal joke. Yeah, it's and I've wrote some content about it. And now we're gonna have a podcast about it. So I'm super excited. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, let's take it back a little bit. Let's talk about your history and how you kind of came to be uh, at Speed Booster. Cool. Yeah. Hey, um, everybody. Nice to meet you. I'm Joe from Speed Booster. Uh, we're we focus on Shopify optimization and, and automation and um, just development, custom apps, features, stuff like that. Uh, but it came to fruition because I've been a, a web developer since uh, around 2011 and uh, focusing on Shopify the last few years and performance just kept coming up more and more. So as soon as I found that and, you know, I kind of just, I started with Google PageSpeed Insights and really just tried to master each of these points, kind of went down that route and just found, you know, it's kind of an idea to, to, to start a, a business based around it, uh, essentially kind of like a productized service. And I also had a, a burning desire to share a lot of the knowledge I've gained over the years. Um, so a big part of, the, of our um, speed booster is the blog as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Content is king for, I think, for any business to be it like an e-commerce business or for like an agency like we have. Yeah. I, rec yeah, I recommend it for any business, uh, e-commerce as well, because uh, it, it just kind of helps you sharpen your own knowledge and organize your thoughts You know, when you're trying to, to teach others and put them on paper. Absolutely. So let's kind of get into the first question and the, 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 the reason we met, uh, which is this Google page speed thing. So... I guess if we could boil it down to a specific question is... Well, the question I like to pose is, does Google page speed matter? Is that score relevant? Yeah. Well, uh, I guess debatable. I mean, you, you, I've, I've done case studies um, to where I, I would say that it, it doesn't really matter uh, in the big picture. And the reason I say that is because you obviously want a faster site. You know, everybody does. Um, but I've come across pro issues where you know, we'll, we'll clear some warnings or make a site faster. And then the score actually drops. So that was kind of a big turning point to me to where I wasn't really trusting the tool as much, uh, anymore. 
Yeah, and the other one out there is Pingdom. That's the other report people like to bring up too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all and all these tools are, are great. You know, like uh, through the course of my career, I've used um, uh, Google PageSpeed Insights, Pingdom, GT Metrics. Uh, webpagetest.org. Uh, webpage test is a great one for just getting your your raw your raw metrics. The tools like Pingdom, GT Metrics, uh, PageSpeed Insights, uh, they're good with certain applications, but they're also generalized tools. So that that was the major pain point that uh, our customers had, Shopify store owners, and that we had, you know, trying to explain this and and never being able to get a perfect score um, or even kind of fix a lot of the warnings. And um, so it, it kind of boils down to, you know, you're dealing with a generalized tool versus a platform type of site to where you have numerous third-party apps and um, templating and a lack of control on some of your server processes. So I just want to highlight the key thing you said there, which is it's a generalized tool. So let, let me break that down a bit. What this, what this tool is doing is it is comparing you to everything else it has in its database. So it's comparing your e-commerce store, which is, has a lot of functionality going on, and judging it with the same kind of questions uh, that it's judging like a one-page brochure website that might be static HTML. So it's not looking into what makes your business unique as an e-commerce store. It's not looking to, into the attributes of an e-commerce store. Everyone's judged the same. Yes, uh, exactly, and it, and it doesn't really doesn't care about your revenue. So uh, that's that's like the you know the main thing that you want to keep in mind. A lot of times, you know, even a bare bones site um, won't score high. And I guess specifically with Google PageSpeed Insights, um, you know, like I, I wrote a, a, a an in depth guide, Truth About Google PSI for Shopify. Uh, on our site, four or five thousand words. It's got a lot of details and a lot of examples in like the case study I mentioned before. Um, and through the course of writing that, I did a lot of uh, other research. So I tested different. You know, I tested Amazon; they didn't score well. Um, I tested the, the own tool, um, and it didn't score well. So I guess what I've been trying to do on that is just say, you know, just to show that it's not the only thing that you should you should be focused on. You know, like doing real optimizations uh, that are going to move your site ahead. Those are great; make your site faster. Um, but also don't be obsessed about uh, speed to the point to where you start thinking about in- uninstalling apps that are helping your business make money. Yeah. I just want to point out that out of the box, the last time I checked this, uh, just a basic Shopify store, uh, it hits. It only scores an 80 on mobile and a 90 on desktop. And I've also ran it before and it came up with a 76 and a 79. Uh, for mobile versus desktop as well. So thinking about that, it's like out of the box, the Shopify platform isn't you know getting you an A because there are things that are going on in the background that like won't allow that to happen, and Google isn't taking that into consideration. Yeah, well, um, a lot of times you might not want an A either. You know, um, one of the ones that comes up, um, we get a lot of you know we've uh, optimized hundreds of sites, uh, Shopify sites um, over the course of the last. Almost two years, uh, but really the last years when we kind of got a lot of traction and started doing a lot more um, you know, interaction with clients and stuff. But over the course of you know the hundreds of sites that we've optimized and and, and sites that have, have reached out to us, um, you know we'll we'll get call outs on that like oh can you fix this specific warning um, you know without going like boring on the technical details too much just a quick summary on that is like the the critical rendering path. 
that's like a warning that a lot of people just like, they'll see it in Google page speed insights and want it to be fixed. Uh, but I, and with all of these, I've dove in super deep and, and I've tried to, to fix that. And I have cleared that warning uh, before. Uh, it's, it's a lot of work and it's maintenance heavy. Um, you'd probably want an automated solution to try to figure it out um, to, because you have to regenerate CSS for every template anytime there's a change. Uh, but what I also found is uh, I, I, were, I did it for, for a few sites and sometimes you run into problems where you'll have uh, the layout breaks or because a third-party app is expecting uh, some some code to load um, in the header when it's not on one page or not the other. So you can ca- cause like just little layout glitches and stuff like that. And between the, the, the cost of implementing plus the, the cost of maintenance, plus the potential layout breaks either uh, in the present or in the future, it's one that I, you know, just generally don't recommend investing into trying to solve but you know it is technically a best practice and and that's why it's in that that tool but for a shopify site uh i don't think that it makes sense to to really stress on that when it could potentially cause problems because of the a conflict with a, a, a third-party app yeah and you know that's the thing best practices are just best practices they need to make sense for your business yeah, yeah, that's a hundred percent. And all these tools, like we we built our own tool, the Shopify Analyzer, um, to kind of solve the problem of you know the there there wasn't a tool specifically for Shopify sites, and you know some of these the other warnings just seen other tools like leverage browsing caching is another one that you're just not going to fix because those are related to third party apps and they have a reason for setting their cache policies, uh, but you know. So that's you're never gonna clear that warning error, whatever. So like, yeah, and we we built the Shopify analyzer to say, okay, here is like the what we think are the most important optimization points that you should do, uh, and if you clear all those, then you're gonna score a good grade. Uh, and you might there might be some micro optimizations like you know the critical CSS rendering uh, or, or something like that that might just inch it forward a bit. Um, but there's also, like I said, it's got drawbacks. So uh, we kind of focus on that and just try to say, hey, like optimize what best you can, but don't like go super hardcore obsessive on it. Absolutely. So let's kind of talk about uh, what you should be doing. I got a Shopify store. I'm a store owner. What what optimizations should I be doing? Should I be considering? How can I make my site faster? Yeah. So I always start with the low hanging fruit, which is image optimization. And you can use uh, an app for that to automate most of it. Um, Shopify doesn't allow, uh, their API doesn't allow connection to all the images on your site. So for example, if you upload into your theme, the customized theme section, you're going to have to manually optimize that. Uh, But just image optimization is pretty easy that I think a non-technical person can usually handle. And, um, you know, we have a, a, a guide on that uh, on our blog. But I, th- I think, yeah, we can, I can share a few blog posts uh, in the show notes or something um, with our philosophy as we're transparent. So like we have a complete guide to Shopify optimization that is basically pulled straight from our internal checklist uh, that someone can go through each step and same with the image optimization. So the con- this stuff's available for free and then our services are, you know, as a business owner, you don't usually want to be wasting time trying to optimize your site. You know, you might as well just pay someone to do it and focus on your own strengths. But that being said, a couple, uh, yeah, quick ones. The uh, image optimization uh, that that's going to be key. Apps uh, tend to be the the major bottleneck uh, that we see. 
So, you know, uninstalling apps are fun <laughs> and they're, they're, they make you, they, you know, they add engagement, you can make money off them. Um, but what I have seen a lot is that people just go overboard and, you know, you might have 20 or 30 apps going. And sometimes you can forget that some of them aren't even doing anything for you or that they're not, you know, uh, driving a good ROI. Uh, like a wish list app is a good example that I, um, tested at, at one point um, that I was using on a site. And uh, it seems like a nice feature. Um, you know, Amazon's got it. They're the e-commerce king, so it must be good, right? But then through analyzing the store, um, I just found out that people actually weren't using it. And, you know, I'm also kind of of the belief that each page should have a, a single goal. So if you're not trying to, if you're not getting ads to cart, but you're getting wish list ads, then that might detract your conversions. So on that one in particular, it um, wasn't a good ROI. All it was doing was contributing to a slower load speed. So that's just an example of how you want to track the metrics in your apps and make sure you're using them and then, you know, unload them if you're not. So uh, that's number two, you know, analyze your apps. Uh, and then along with that, a lot of times when you remove an app, in your app section, uh, if it added theme code, like a, a script in your theme.liquid file, for example, I would probably say most times, uh, at least a lot of the times, that app code is not going to get automatically removed. So you want to pay attention to that. And uh, again, you could do that with like any analysis tool to see what files are loading. Um, our analyzer has it, um, the Shopify analyzer has it to where you can see um, all the resources that are loading on your page. And then you cross-reference that with your apps. So if I see, um, you know, app abc.js uh, script is loading in this tool, but I remember on installing that app a couple weeks ago, um, that means that it's still loading in your theme file. So you need to remove that. Uh, yeah, I guess like, to, you know, those are the low-hanging fruit, um, you know, the image optimization, and uh, and then just make sure your apps are in check. Uh, and then I guess like the third point that someone could do like just today that's easy is use a, a, a single hero image on your homepage instead of a slider. Because, uh, you know, sliders kind of, they look cool, they're fancy, but they also, you, that critical space is above the fold. So anything that you're loading there needs to load first. Um, that's going to give like the best first impression. So if you have, uh, you know, three and those images are big typically. So if you have like three to five large images loading right there, you're also having to load the, the plugin, which is typically going to require jQuery, which is also a library that would need that needs to be loaded in the head as well. So you could do that. Um, or you could just have a single image that kind of, welcomes people to your site and gives them the uh, the first impression that you want to give them. Uh, there's also case studies that show that uh, people don't actually interact with sliders. So again, it kind of comes back to creating a plan to see what people are actually interacting with and if those elements are useful. So three, to summarize, three main points you could do there, image optimization, um, analyze your app usage and remove what you don't need. And then, uh, remove your sliders and try a, he a hero image and a B tested. If, if you want to, if you're, if you think your sliders are, are doing great, then consider doing an AB test um, with your theme and, and just to, to validate cause the data always tell the truth. I can't agree more with what you just said there. So I'll, I'll walk through it from my perspective. 
So on the first one, the uh, seeing which files are big on your Shopify page, this is actually somewhere where Google Page Speed can help. It tells you how big these images files are actually on your on your homepage load. That's a way you could use it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's good for clues. I mean, you can get some some clues, you know. So it it is a good tool, and I I I always emphasize that I'm not bashing the tool uh, in, in 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 my communications about it. Oh, I am. I absolutely am. <laughs> like it has its place, but um, just for for Shopify specifically, it, that's yeah. our niche. Um, it's, it's it's just not a good tool for that. So with with all right, so let's talk about these images real fast. And I know a number is like very. It's there's some wiggle room with this, but do you have any best practices when it comes to the sizing of images for certain applications on a on a store? No, I mean ideally, if you can if you can get your all your images under 100 kilobytes uh, each, you know, like at, at the maximum size, that's great. Um, if you have one big hero image that's 150 or 200, that's fine. Uh, I, I usually don't think you need to be have anything over 200 kilobytes. Um, and, and then, you know, for, as far as best practices, it's just like it, making sure they're compressed. That's uh, the main point of image um, optimization because you won't lose resolution. And all you're doing is stripping out, um, you know, the metadata and image compression does some uh, algorithms to, you know, prevent the amount of colors being loaded. Some, some super technical stuff, but as long as the images are compressed and then you're not loading like a, a 4,000 pixel image where uh, on a mobile screen, you know, a mobile screen is typically going to be around 400 pixels or so depending on the device. So, um, you know, without bogging it down with details, I, we have information on that as well, but you can kind of look up um, scaling server images. So you just, you can load, you could just use some code to load a specific image size for different screen sets. So that's, so that's a little bit more technical. Um, but you know, on the basic level as the store owner that just wants a quick fix, um, compressing the images and then, um, you know, making sure the image size isn't, uh, the dimensions aren't just huge, you know, like 1500 pixels max for any screen. And then I would say probably around, um, six to 700 pixels for a mobile screen. So we're on the same page there. So the numbers I used to throw out would be like, if it's a hero image, 300 kilobytes max, anything else, 150. But you're even going lower. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to depend on how the image is, how, you know, how detailed it is as well. So that's, mm -hmm. that's why I say like, um, I don't, because you want to, you want to have an image that portrays exactly what you're looking for. So like, I wouldn't like set like hard numbers. I would say just as long as they're, they're mostly optimized, it's going to be in that range. Yeah. Um, and then another key point is, you know, when you use a tool, you might see a, a, an image that's like a megabyte or more like, wow, how's it that big? And then you look and it's a photographic image that is saved as a .png. So that's the third point of image optimization is making sure you're using the right file types. Uh, PNG is great for, for uh, you know, kind of graphics or things that need transparency. But if it's a photograph, um, then it, it should be JPEG because otherwise the, you could make an image four to five times larger with the exact same quality. Yeah. The only thing I want to say on uh, image optimization on top of all that is just make it as small as it can be without sacrificing the quality. It's going to get a little less sharp, I guess, is the word I want to use. But I mean, if it's getting real bad and real ugly, you also need to know that the purpose of this image is to sell your product or to improve your brand. So if it's like, 
if you're trying to hit an, a number, the number's arbitrary. Like you still need the picture to look good. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. And and for like for me, I'll uh, I'll usually I'll, I'll com- I use two tools to compress images. One is uh, Crush Picks, that's a Shopify app that does most of them um, site wide. Uh, and then I use uh, tinypng.com. It, it, it does JPEGs as well. But um, w- with both of those, with their standard settings, I find that there's not uh, a loss of resolution. So I'm happy with that. Like you, you can, that, that's called lossless resolution. You can do lossy, which you you crank up the, you know, you drop the file size even more, but then it starts to get blurry. Um, I, I don't like that for, for an e-commerce site, uh, especially when you're trying to show premium products. So, um, with either of those tools that I mentioned, you, you should be fine as far as resolution goes. Absolutely. Um, and then moving on to your next point, which was the apps. Um, I'm not going to say who, but actually that we have two of them now. Uh, we've, we've worked with some sites and we are auditing them and helping them, uh, with, with some redesigns and some, some other optimizations. And they had over 50 apps installed. Woo. <laughs> And and to explain it in layman's terms, that's fifty JavaScript calls plus whatever else is in the theme every time a page loads. Mm-hmm. So that's something to keep in mind. And then you know with what you said, uh, I hadn't thought about it that clearly. With it, it doesn't uninstall that code, so you're going around trying to un get rid of all that stuff. So I, I like to think the best rule of thumb is: Do you really, really need it? Mm-hmm. Like apps are not worth it because of what they're going to do to your your optimization and your performance like i I, people are testing them all the time i think that's the a bad way to do it i think it's like ask around get the right one and use it and i also i also see sometimes people are using like three apps where one app could do all three things it's like just pick one yeah yeah that's one if an app feature could be hard-coded into your theme oh yeah uh, that's typically a better way to go um just for for example, like, um, you know, I, I saw an app that um, shows uh, it'll load a secure badge on your product page. Um, see, to, to me, that's something that that's nice. It's a it's a quick solution. To, you know, someone might just want to download that. But, um, you know, the for an optimization point of view, you just want to put that in your Shopify theme because then it's, it's loaded from Shopify's uh, from your same servers from Shopify CDN, which is going to be fast and deliver it from anywhere. Um, rather than using a, a third-party app that you're going to have to keep track of, that's going to load its own resources and that um, is probably not going to be serving it as as fast as if it was on your, your Shopify server. Yeah. Some other examples I see of apps that are redundant are apps for making forms on your website, like contact forms. Mm-hmm. You, you can hard code that. Um, like free shipping bars at the top. That's so easy to hard code into a theme. I'm, I've seen some tutorials. You could do that thing yourself, even if you're non-technical. Um, and another is like pop-ups for like emails and stuff. Like all three of those are super easy to hard code in. And then even some of the more advanced apps can be hard coded in its features. Yeah, a lot of it can. So I mean, it, it kind of comes down to a balance of you know how, what the budget is, if, if 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 it's worth it for that specific scenario. Um, but if if like max performance is the ultimate goal, you definitely um, want to try to hard code as much as you can. Absolutely. Um, so just with the conversation topic of optimization and performance, is there anything that we missed on that you think you want to share? We could go on forever just about this, you know, one, um, kind of optimization and, and everything. I think those are like the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Um, and not to like, uh, 
not to not to bore the audience with too many um, uh, deep dives into it, uh, but like I, I think just using tools um, every once in a while, kind of just to do a checkup on your site, you know, at least once a quarter, um, just using any 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 of the uh, analysis tools and just just to make sure your site's looking in good health. And, and again, it's not like with the the, the Google page being insights, it's not it's not about the score. Um, it's more about just looking for things that stand out um, and and just making sure that you're uh, that you're, you don't have any big wastes. You know, like one time we, we um, I, I put a case study in the blog on this one, and so it pops into mind. But we found a site that had um, there were over fifteen hundred extra server requests loading on collection pages. Why? <laughs> and so. Uh, as a, I, I guess I should I should make a chart, you know, uh, an infographic or something that says, "Hey, here's like the average amount what you should expect. Here's kind of the low end. Here's the high end." Um, I think I'll do something like that. But like for now, like the, you know, you might like a hundred requests on that page would be good. One hundred fifty be like a little higher. Anything higher than two hundred total would be like I don't know something something could be optimized there. But this one had like you know s- about seventeen hundred or so, and. It, through, we just found we found it was from an app, which a lot of times an app analysis will uncover stuff like that. So I guess it's just like checking in to make sure uh, that there aren't any big bottlenecks like that, you know. And any of those tools are, you know, and then that's why we exist too. Speed Booster, we do a free um, ex- analysis to and see if anything like this is going on. So if anyone doesn't want to dive into technical details, like. We we do that for for free on the initial consult, so um, no problems there. But just being aware of of things and kind of learning at least a little bit about optimization and what you should be looking for as a store owner, I think those would help. Awesome. Support for our podcast comes from our friends at Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your e-commerce store. It works with your existing email and chat platforms, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler's network of on-demand, US-based Simpler specialists are standing by to answer your customers' most common questions. Set it up for free today and then turn it on or off depending on your customer volume. You only pay $2.25 for every resolution. No hidden fees, contracts, or minimums. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat around the clock with Simpler specialists. Start your free 7-day trial at simpler.ai slash honest. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I slash honest. So thanks for that. Now we're going to switch gears to one of my favorite topics in the world, automation. Ooh, yeah. Oh, man. My, me too. <laughs> I mean, it's a long-running joke that I'm trying to replace myself with a robot within the business. Hey, man. That's a good goal for any entrepreneur. I've actually named our Zapier robot. His name's Rob Halford. Oh, nice. <laughs> so if anyone gets where that's from, uh, you get a dollar from me, I guess. I will not get a dollar. I don't know. It's, it's... It has to do with our it has to do with our agency name too. So those are all the clues. And I hope someone emails me about this when this episode comes out. So let's get into automation though. So Yeah. I'm sure like the number one low hanging fruit there is email automation, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. So that is that is one of my favorite topics. And anytime I see someone using a standard, just you push a button and you you blast, you know what I mean. Whenever I see that, I'm like, no, 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 you're leaving so much money on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I see some people that are like kind of in the junior leagues. There's a few that are like getting into it. I'm not going to name any names, but then there's like the big leagues of email automation, and those are the ones that I'm always pushing. So. I guess you know what are what are some of your favorite tactics with email that aren't like the out of the box ones. To start off with with automation in general too, um, the reason why um, 
I, I love it as well. We connect on this. Um, so I've just been multiple business owner and just always working on so many projects. And um, I'm just like, man, I need to like free up some more time. So automation had become a passion of mine. And with being in e-commerce for a few years now, I've just seen pay-per-click prices rise and rise more and more. So um, I'm always trying to find automated marketing tactics, you know, because those are can be unloaded, unleashed, and they're they're making money on autopilot. And that's kind of the other half of Speed Booster. We optimize. And then um, I guess as an extension of me being obsessed with automation, we try to do a lot of that as well. And we build solutions and, um, you know, uh, we promote marketing, automation, stuff like that as well. So yeah, for email. Yeah, I love automated flows. Um, you know, like uh, Clavio is me. I became my favorite email um, service provider this year. Um, so I've been using them. I I set up a Clavio automated emails on a store doing about 10K a month. And um, within a month, uh, email was contributing over $1,000 uh, to revenue and, and mostly on autopilot as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, your standards are your abandoned carts. Your uh, I like doing a welcome sequence to where you offer um, kind of what your would you call your standard discount, like a 10%. And what that does is that gives them a reason to join your sequence. Now they're in. Okay, great. And then you can follow up with automated emails to introduce them to your brand, show different products. And there's just a million ways to segment with, with Clavio in particular. That's why I like it. Yep. Uh, and I also use ConvertKit. I don't think I don't like ConvertKit for an e-commerce store, uh, but I like it for uh, like a B two B, like for Speed Booster. Uh, I use ConvertKit. Mm-hmm. You're uh, you're quite experienced in email marketing, so you're probably the pro on these. Um, but I, I've just found it um, a good just to get some basic automation set up is going to drive a positive ROI, and that's my goal with any marketing campaign on automation. Is I'm not really concerned about what it costs, but is it going to drive a positive ROI without any input? Then it's a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why I was being so secretive before. Uh, maybe the Chipotle is making me feel funny. Uh, but no, yeah. Clavio is number one that I like. I'm not a big fan of Conversio because uh, it's like Clavio Jr. And I'm not a big fan of MailChimp because it's just not even in the same realm of possibilities of what Clavio can do. Yeah. yeah. I actually switched from MailChimp and once I got into... To... Yeah, you're right. It is pronounced Clavio. <laughs> I don't know why I always... No, I don't know if it's right or not. I'm going to the conference. No, it, it, it is. I always say Clavio. I learned about it while I was... I was um... I was in Colombia, so everything's in Spanish. So I just pronounce it as it is in Spanish. So, um, but then I talked with Clavio and I watched some of their videos, and they're like, "I'm like, oh, it is Clavio," but um, <laughs> they said they don't care. I can pronounce it, however. <laughs> so, oh yeah, they don't. They don't care. They know that they've got the worst name ever, but they've got a great product. They have an amazing product, and that's why I'm so stoked on just because I've they're just uh, ahead of anything else I'd used before, and, and I saw the results instantly. Yeah, so uh, I'm trying to think of some of the out of the box, like outside of the box. Is that how you say? I don't know. So we're Clavio experts at some level. I we keep getting going up in their little expert column thing, but uh, so we always try to come up with fun flows for our clients. And the birthday flow is like the easiest one to get set up. Mm, yeah, and it its open rate is insane. Nice. Yeah, I I haven't personally experimented too much with the birthday flow yet, but I can see that. Yeah, that one's really fun. I'm trying to think of some more. Yeah, you know what I like that I've been um, experimenting with is kind of two tactics. Like if someone buy if someone buys one product uh, from a certain collection, and you have another collection that 
matches that product or if it uh, is a complimentary item, um, you know, like maybe like a, depending on how often you like to communicate, maybe a month or, or two later, you can say, uh, Hey, I know you like that. You know, if, if you're digging the product, get the matching top or the matching, you know, accessory or whatever, uh, check these out here. Um, you know, that one's another one that can be on autopilot and it's just, it's statistically gonna drive you sales because some of the people are going to be interested in that other product. So I like that one. And then another, uh, automation one that I use that if you're like, um, you know, like a clothing brand or something, it, or if you like have a product to where you're constantly releasing new designs, uh, if someone bought something from that collection, then you can send an automated email. You know, I, you can see exactly like your average repurchase time from a customer to, to use data to make that, but you could just kind of ballpark it as like a few weeks and, um, have an automated email and say, um, Hey, we've got some new designs up on the site. Here they are and go like filter by new arrivals. Um, you know, for, for someone that's like, if you, if you have a t-shirt company, if someone likes your t-shirts and they, Oh, let me check out the new ones and might need to grab a new t-shirt. So, th- and those are, those are free, essentially free marketing. Cause you're just, um, you set up an automated flow. That made me remember a few more specific ones for clients that we had. So one was for clients that offer... We have we have one client that offers um, a few subscri- subscription products for very specific products. Um, and if you just buy one of them, it'll email you when he thinks it's going to be out and be like, Hey, do you want to subscribe to the subscription so you don't... Ah, yes. Nice one. Yeah. And then we have another client that has a product that isn't really supposed to be perishable but it's like if you're using it the right way it kind of gets raggedy and you're probably going to want a new one and the price point isn't huge so he times that out to like when people usually like would actually want a new one and he's like hey like you know we've had some customers tell us that they want you know that they've used this so much and they love it so much they just want another one so then you know having that touch point too mm-hmm. yeah there's if you can dream it you can build it and that's the fun thing about about those platforms yeah yeah for sure those are great so outside of email, is there anything else that you guys have been dabbling in with automation? Oh yeah, man, I got a I got a bunch here. So um, just kind of like top of my head, like oh, like um, affiliate starting an affiliate program uh, is great because you'll get um, you'll get you get influencers, you get people talking about your brand, trying to sell your product, and you'll get um, the backlinks. So uh, it's kind of like a kind of like a back end. Uh, SEO tactic as well. So I like, I like that. So it's pretty much automated once you set it up. Um, uh, a couple other things that I, uh, automated for clients and then businesses, e-commerce business I run is like, uh, fulfillment. So, um, like right now, Amazon fulfillment is the, the biggest one. You can connect it to Shopify, automatically fulfill your orders there. Uh, I'm really curious to see how Shopify's new fulfillment network, um, that they announced this summer is going to play out. I haven't personally used it yet, but if they can compete with Amazon um, on like delivery and, and price, uh, I think it'll be huge because you could do your own custom branding. So uh, that's not a you know fulfillment is just taken. You don't have to deal with it as an owner. You chip all your inventory; it's done. Um, I also like doing like a, a social media automated tactic that I use and that a lot of people might not be aware of is, um, use the, you know, the tool called, uh, if this, then that I do actually. Yeah. So I, I always like browse there to find, uh, IFTTT.com is what it is. So they're just a little automated scripts that you can do. So, um, the one I u- like to use on that, um, I think for most 
e-commerce brands, um, kind of product focused. Instagram is going to be the, the the primary marketing channel. So as like a social media, as an efficient social media strategy, you know, if, if you're big, you can have someone managing every single platform. But what I always um, recommend and implement for smaller brands or even mid-sized brands is if you have a social media manager posting content every day on Instagram your, or whatever your main channel is, you can use uh, the IFT um, script to automatically... Well, you can share on Facebook and it'll share the image and, and, that's, and that's good. From Instagram, but then you can use if to also share that on Twitter automatically, but with a native image. Because if you try to just share it on Twitter, it only shows a link. So you can have it post the image. So now your Twitter's covered. Um, you can have it automatically share on Pinterest and pin it to certain boards depending on what hashtags you use. Uh, so that's another cool one. And I've seen Pinterest work really well for some brands and just not work at all for others. So if if you are uh, a brand that where you think Pinterest work, something like that is pretty nice because you can just automatically be posting a lot of content uh, over there. So um, th- 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 that's like a, just a way to nice spread your um, social media postings without uh, having to hire or having to spend time doing it. I love that tactic. So, uh, and I think another one that I really like for automation, uh, it, it's email related, but um, you know, I use it uh, through a reviews app. So just automatically sending a review request to customers and then including a shareable discount code um, for the people that leave uh, like a good review. Um, the, the way I like that as the automation is a, you're getting your reviews um, and you're getting, you know, the negative reviews are a good opportunity for feedback. So you're automated like your feedback and your reviews, and then you're kind of using it. You can use it as a, Backend automated marketing channel by including like that shareable discount code. So, um, I'm always trying to find fun ways to engage with people on email. So it's kind of like finding the right wording to fit the brand's um, identity to be like, you know, hey, thanks for that five star review. I'm glad you love our product. If you have any friends that, uh, or if you want to get anything else, you know, here's a code for X percent off. Um, but if you want to share with a friend, you know, feel free, you know, the, we're all about the building the community or something like that. So, um, just again, statistically, just by throwing it out there, you're going to get some people that are sharing it and then you're going to acquire new customers like that. So kind of becomes a, like an automated customer acquisition strategy. Awesome. I fully recommend that one as well. Yeah. And then the last one, uh, that pops in my mind is, uh, retar- automated retargeting. There's a bunch of apps out there. Uh, the, the, the one that I have uh, used is Shoelace. Um, they uh, they kind of got pretty expensive um, recently. So I don't know if they're going to work for every brand, but um, th- there's a handful of apps um, that you can look in the, in the Shopify app store. But um, you know you can do retargeting yourself, but if you don't feel like learning how to do that, then you just install an app and they set it up and retargeting converts quite well, better than cold ads. And if you use an app, it's it's essentially hundred percent autopilot. So you just install it and then you get, you get free sales. Shoelace builds a very quality funnel for people that are in, I would say it's for people that are, they have sales already uh, and they're trying to get into that retargeting element, uh, but they don't have the ability to hire like a dedicated person. I think Shoelace works very well for them. Yeah. And, and I would say five to probably like five, 
to ten five five thousand dollars monthly revenue and higher is when it would probably make sense for for an app like that to make sure it's ROI. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, hey, Joe, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show uh, and sharing all this with the audience. Is there anything else that you want to leave or, or say before you go? Oh, um, not too much. I just, um, yeah, it's, it's good talking. I always love talking with uh, fellow Shopify, um, you know, entrepreneurs and Nerds. people in the agency. And uh, I guess if I could leave one piece of advice just on how I've grown um, through my e-commerce business and through Steve Booster is just is listening to podcasts, talking to other people. Um, I got a couple ideas from you on on this call as well. So like, I think it's always good to just to be finding people and talking to people and going to meetups and stuff like that, you know, and, and just experimenting. I always say that uh, marketing and, and growing your business is just a series of experiments. And the more experiments you run, uh, the more you find where that next golden nugget's gonna be. I love that. So where can people get a hold of you? Where can they talk to you? Where can they find out about that cool analyzer tool? Yeah. So uh, speedbooster.com. That's with no E at the end. So speed, B-O-O-S-T-R.com. Uh, that's our that's our website. The analyzer's on there. You just click the Shopify analyzer. Um, we, yeah, we build custom apps and solutions. Um, I also am going to be submitting our first Shopify app to the store um, probably tomorrow. I'm just doing some final testing. And um, it automates some order processes. So if you fulfill your products using Amazon. Um, it's gonna, it's, that's the, the key target for that. But, um, yeah, I don't have, I don't have a link for that. So I don't want to go into the details too much, you know, but, um, if you come to our site, I'll have it up there, um, soon enough, but, um, essentially we're just trying to build solutions to automate processes. So, um, if anyone needs their website optimized or wants to see if their website is optimized or is looking for any automated solutions, um, that's what we're here for. And that's what we're trying to help Shopify store owners save time and save money. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cool, man. Thank you. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing the truth. Links and more will be available in the show notes. If you found any actionable advice in this podcast that you'd like to apply to your business, please reach out at electriceye.io slash connect. Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice.